heaviness because, you know, we sing about miracles and we sing that our God is, uh, is a God who's able to do anything above everything we could ask or imagine, right? And, uh, man, there's just, there's just been just a lot of communication coming in this week about just heaviness, about needs. Um, so I'd like to just, if we could, just, I want to start this, this teaching just a little bit differently. But, um, I, you know, I, I want to pray because we have people in our Creek family and, and I see you in the hospital just found out that we have an extended Creek family member on their way to the hospital to a trauma center. I just, uh, there, there's just a lot, right? And the, the, the enemy just comes in to try to steal, kill, and destroy. And so uh, we believe that God is over all of that. But I just want to ask you to do something if you're brave enough. Would you just put up your hand if you've got a need that you need somebody to pray for, right? I mean, I mean, if you've got something going on in your life, you're like, I need a miracle. You know, I can't figure this out, all right? All right. All right, so let's go, can we go old school a little bit? If there's a hand up around you, can somebody put a hand on that person? This is how I grew up in church, y'all. So if you're watching online, thank you for joining us online. Look, you can connect with us. Send us a comment. You got QR codes popping up all over the place. If you need prayer, just send us a comment. And our prayer team's gonna get, get you hooked up. But I just believe that this is a house where God does the work, right? And it's not because of the house, it's because of the presence of the house. Right, So Jesus, we come to you in the name of Jesus, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus is above cancer, is above any sickness that could ever be named, is above accidents. God, the name of Jesus is above the, 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 the divisions that the enemy wants to bring into marriages. The name of Jesus is the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of our Father. And right now, Jesus, we come to you because you said we can come in your name, we can come confidently to your throne, and you already know our needs before we even bring them to you. But God, the heaviness and the weight of these needs is way too much for us to bear. And so we ask you, who said, all who are weary and heavy laden, to come to you, and we can cast that care upon you. We can take your yoke upon us, which is easy and is light, and we will find rest for our souls. And so, Jesus, I ask that through your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, moving right now in your house and in the houses that, that are tuning in, that God, I just pray the power of the Holy Spirit begins to move, move in hospital rooms, move in ICUs, move through nursing staffs, move through doctors, move through surgeons, move through specialists. God, move through therapists, move through counselors, move through reconciliation, that I pray in the name of Jesus that we see marriages healed. God, in the name of Jesus, we see people who are who are. Who are they're gonna walk out of the hospital fully well, all for a testimony of your goodness, not because of them, not because of anything on this planet, but because you and you alone are good and you and you alone are in control and you and you alone do all things for your glory. So I pray that you be glorified through the miracles that you perform. And God, we're gonna open your word and we're gonna look at a miracle, but God, I just pray that we experience it. God, that we don't just look at the Bible as historical evidence, but we live and move in the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in this very second, that in this very moment, we experience your miracles, your life, your hope, your peace, your grace, your forgiveness, everything that you paid for on the cross, Jesus, I pray in your name that is above every names that you just move into all of these needs and you provide in areas that, that we don't even see possible, that you bring healing where no one else has given a second opinion or a chance and that you bring reconciliation where everyone else has written it off. So Jesus, we believe. We believe that you can do all things, and I pray that you do all those things for your glory. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you. So I just, 
just heavy. Look, we're, if, if we're going to be a house of prayer, right? Okay? So, uh, you know, I'd come out to do something funny, but I can't do that now. But uh, so I'm just going to, let me just get into this. There's, there's a couple housekeeping items I want to cover first. Uh, last weekend was Mother's Day, and we celebrated our mothers. And man, what a, what a great time. And I know, that, I know that that day can bring a mix of emotions. And um, um, thank you for letting us walk with you through that. Um, but we also... Uh, serve with Far Corners Missions in India. And uh, they had a goal of getting 75 widows sponsored last weekend. Uh, if you were here, you saw the video. So in India, if, if a woman's husband passes before she does, she's outcast. She has really very little options. And uh, so the Far Corners sponsors these women. And um, I would, it's, it's, it's like child sponsorship in Africa. It's not just providing these things. It's providing hope. And it's providing the gospel. And it's providing a life that is beyond this because this is not all there is. And so their goal of 75 was exceeded. We, we sponsored 76 widows last weekend. So thank you for that. So, so get ready because Judd, man, he, he's always thinking. So next year, it, it ain't going to be 75, okay? But uh, praise God for that. Thank you for doing that. And, you know, I just, you know, we started a service or started their message. It's kind of some old school prayer and just kind of old school thing. It's called Creek Fest tomorrow uh, evening. And uh, it's, it's a chance for the church family to be together, right? Because uh, we do four services. And, and what is amazing to me is we have people in our community that are neighbors and coworkers, and then they run into somebody at church because they, they change up their service. They go, I didn't know you went to the creek. I didn't know you went to the creek. So it, it's kind of fun watching that. So Creek Fest is a time for us to see, I didn't know you went to the creek. Yes, I didn't know you went to the creek either. Um, and so we're, we're, we've got barbecue, and then, you know, you're bringing your sides and everything. And if, if you don't bring a side, don't worry about it. Just come. You know, it's about family being together. Um, but uh, we would just, we want to just... The family needs to get together, right? I mean, because it's one thing. And maybe this just hits my heart really hard because I have kids in Canada that I don't get to see often. Um, and, and FaceTime does, man, FaceTime does wonders for us staying connected. But listen, there ain't nothing like presence. And there ain't nothing like a hug. So come join us for Creek Fest. And I think my commercial spot's over. So uh, let's, go to, let's go to John chapter 5. We're in a series called Scent. And uh, this is all about the Father sending the Son so that we could be redeemed. And uh, we're going to see this, this idea of sending grace, that, that, that through Jesus, the Father is sending grace. And uh, John chapter 5, we're going to see a man get healed. You know, we sing about miracles, we pray for him. Uh, let's look at one and, and see what's, what's really happening in here. So in John chapter 5, again, it says the healing at the pool of the sab on the Sabbath. So we already know that there's going to be some religious people get upset about this um, because uh, the Pharisees and the Sabbath, and they were always coming at Jesus. But uh, it's going to stir some things up here. So it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, and these lay... uh, a multitude of, uh, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And um, so we don't know what festival Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for, um, but we know that grace brought him there. 
you know, because we're going to see this whole thing about this. And where, where this is, it's a modern site you can go to. I mean, it's right outside of St. Anne's Church in the old city. Um, and I love that John wrote by the sheep gate because remember John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, so he's by the sheep's gate and, and they've actually excavated uh, most of the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda, the pool, it means house of mercy or house of grace. And, and, and we're, we're able to be there. And what they found through archaeological, I'm going to have to change that for tomorrow's service. <laughs> what the archaeologists have found um, is that there were two, two uh, pools that would feed water into that area. And, and, and uh, so there was, there was water in there. And then so what to set the scene is you would have uh, people who are blind, lame, and paralyzed laying around the pool. And there would be, it would be full of people laying around the pool. And, and what's interesting in your Bible is you're going to see something. You're going to see that it goes John verse, chapter 5, verse 1, 2, and then there's a verse 3, and then there's a verse 5. Now, manuscripts take out the last half of verse 3 and all of verse 4, but I believe that gives us context. So my Bible has footnotes. If your Bible has footnotes, I got a recommendation for you. Read them. You know, they're, they're part of it too. Uh, so he, here's what's going on. It says in verse 3, I'm going to go back to verse 3 again. Uh, it says, in these, in these colonnades, lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now we got to go down to footnotes, and it says, they're laying there waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. That sets some major context here, right? Because you wonder why would they all be gathered around this pool? You know, so the word had gotten out. It's just like when we were teaching last week, remember word had gotten out that Jesus was healing and you've got the father going 20 miles to meet Jesus to heal his son. Well, word got out. See, what would happen is it says that they said an angel would come down at certain times and stir the, the waters and the first one in would be healed of any disease he has. I find that interesting because I'm gonna give you a little bit of history here because um, we know that before Jesus was born, right? So Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. In our Bibles, we go from Malachi, we turn a page and we're at Matthew and we're in the New Testament. In reality, the timeline, that turning of a page is 400 years. 400 years where we see in scripture that God was silent. He was not speaking. There was no prophecy. It was just quiet. And then, boom, Jesus breaks on the scene. Now, here's what strikes me as interesting. I believe that an angel would be stirring the waters, right? Because if God's word says it, you know, and God would send an angel to do that, it had been at least 400 years. So at some point, the word, the story had been passed down that at certain seasons, God would send an angel down to stir the pool and the first one in would be healed. So as a story gets out, if you've got somebody that's in need and they say, where do you want to go? I want to go to the pool of Bethesda. And so we're going we're gonna to see a man that had been there for, for a long time. He's 38 years old, but we don't know how long he's been there. But it really sets some context, right, of why they would hang out by the pool waiting and waiting and waiting. 
And there's something also that we have to recognize that something was stirring the pool and they believe that it was springs that because they're still there and they were still jumping in and trying to get in the pool when they'd see the water move, but nobody was getting healed. So what's keeping them there? I think it's hope. I think it's hope. And I think grace brought Jesus to the intersection of a lame man's hope. So here we go. Verse five. One of the man who was one one man who was there, who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already been there. He had already been there a long time. And he said, Do you want to be healed? So Jesus knows the man. Uh, it's interesting because it says that the multitudes were laying in these colonnades. And yet Jesus comes to this one man. And he knows. He already knows he's been there a long time. That shows me. See, see, people struggle with is Jesus really God? You know? People think, well, Jesus is, you know, Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a good teacher. Jesus was not just a rabbi because he already knew the man. It goes back to John chapter two, right? When it, we see that Jesus can perceive, Jesus knows the heart of man. How does he know the heart of man? Because he is God. And so he knew the man. He knew how long he'd been there. Listen, he knew how many seconds he had been there. And because he's God, he knew how many nanoseconds he had been there. He knew the innermost part of this man's being. And he shows up to this man and he says, do you want to be healed? And here's, here's where the story gets interesting to me at least. The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So he didn't answer the question. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he makes excuses for why he can't get into the pool to be healed. That's not what, Jesus didn't ask him about the pool. He says, do you want to be healed? How many, okay, just just gonna, I'm gonna lob this one out there. How many of us react the same way? When Jesus asks us a direct question straight to our heart and we start making excuses. So then Jesus is like, okay, well, let's get down to business here. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus is like, I don't need the pool. I thought about calling this message stirring up grace, but, you know, because the water stirred and everything. But Jesus didn't need the pool. I mean, we, we kind of, okay, the only way this man thought he would be healed is through the pool. Jesus is like, no, 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 I, I, I don't need the pool. I, I need nothing other than to tell you, get up and walk. And I think it's interesting that he told the man to do the exact thing he couldn't do. It says immediately he got up and walked. He had to trust that, right? Okay, think about this. 38 years he'd been an invalid. He'd been laying on a mat. I sit down for, for a binge episode of three episodes and my legs fall asleep and I, I'm trying to get out of the recliner and, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, you know. I sleep maybe six to... Six hours a night plus-ish, depends on the day. Sometimes nine, sometimes six. But you know, I, I crawl out of bed, and I've got this nice bed. I mean, it is like, it's like a cloud. But I still, and, and I, listen, I'm not that old, so don't think it's that. <laughs> I still get out of my, whoa. You know, you're trying to get things moving and stretching and everything. 38 years, this guy's been down on a mat instantly. 
shows me the, the, the beautiful power of how much, when we say that Jesus knows our innermost part of our being, he knows it. He knew exactly which ligaments, which tendons, which muscles needed instant blood flow, needed instant strengthening. He knew what muscles to create stabilizers. He knew everything that needed to happen. And listen, instantaneously it, it happened. And I think this is, this, is, this is free, okay? You can write this down. Jesus has already paid for it. Are we willing to stand in it? Because we have to be willing to obey him when he says, get up, get up. Take your mat and walk. Take the very thing that was keeping you bound, take it away. Man, this is it's all right. So he does. It says, now that day, and you think like, you would think like celebration across the colonnades, right? Like, ah, this is Jesus guy, you know? And, you know, but no, no, no. There's, there's, see, just as much as we can celebrate a miracle on the other side, <laughs> there's always the downers, you know? You know who they are. Don't call out names. They might be sitting beside of you. I'm just, no, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. It says, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now listen, let's understand some things about the Sabbath. The Sabbath comes from the creation account, right? God created, he spoke creation into existence, the ex nihilo power of God, out of nothing, he speaks everything in six days. He said, it is good. On the seventh day, he rests. As we get into the law, like in Exodus, when God is giving us the law, he commands rest. And it wasn't just a minor verse. It's in the top 10, okay? I mean, it, it is one of the 10 commandments, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. God created the Sabbath as a rhythm for us to rest and, and a way to recreate or recreate in the Lord. And so, so he'd given us, and I mean, Jesus even said in Mark chapter two, he goes, listen, I'm Lord over the Sabbath. But what had happened is whenever you get religion in and when religion wants to start trying to manipulate control and, and things like that, and like, you know, anytime man gets in the front seat, right, anytime in the driver's seat, it's about how do we maintain control and order and how do I get people to move in the drive? How do I do this, you know? But, but listen, sometimes that, that, that just drives Jesus nuts because what we start doing is we're creating all these rules, these extra things, there are 636 laws that the Pharisees would have to keep very strictly. This man was a Jew. He would have to keep that. In addition, the Pharisees had created another 39 laws or 39 rules, which would be subsets of the law. See, now we're getting into some crazy speak, aren't we? They were subsets of the Sabbath law, 39 tasks that were illegal to do. And carrying a burden was one of them. So they say to this guy, not a priest. God, you're healed. You can walk. You've been here 38 years. You haven't been walked for 38 years. We see you every day as we come through here and we just, oh, we have pity on you, but you're walking now, but you're holding your mat. You know, if you weren't holding your mat, we could celebrate this. But, and you know who you people are, like those people that, like you see, you, you want law and order, right? It's like, so the, 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 well, we, we'd love to celebrate, but you're breaking the law. It's ridiculous. That's where Jesus, you're going to see, Jesus gets a little, he gets a little frustrated with this because, listen, God gave the Sabbath for us, not to become a tradition that creates a prison of regulations, but creates a rhythm in our life 
to reconnect with him. That's why, listen, that's why when I go through a season and I don't take a Sabbath, it affects everything in my life. That's, that's why when, when you get into that grind and you, man, you just, it's work, 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 you hit a wall because you haven't taken time. You've created a rhythm of going at a pace that you can't sustain, and that's not how God created us. God created us with this rhythm that, yeah, you work. And he says, but you've, you've, you've got to take that time to, you know, and I love that it it's, it's actually comes down to recreate, recreate. It's time in the Lord. It's things that, that, it's not my normal thing. And listen, don't get all hung up because for them the Sabbath day is Saturday and I hear people, don't get legalistic about that. You know, because as Christ followers, people who celebrate the resurrection, we call Sunday the Sabbath. Well, if we're gonna get legalistic, then I'm guilty because I gotta work on the Sabbath. So my Sabbath is Friday. But listen, I've gotta have a rhythm if I don't have a rhythm, man, it just, it, it throws everything out of balance. Think about this. If you got, if you drive in your car and one wheel is out of balance, it's not just that one wheel that shakes. That one wheel starts shaking, but listen, the whole car, you're just driving down the road like this. That's how life feels so often. When we get things out of balance, we just, everything starts shaking. And then we start trying, what, 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 what is the problem? What is the problem? Well, let's get back to basics. So what does my Sabbath look like? Am I taking a Sabbath? And what does that look like? And so it's the Sabbath. And so they go, you, you, you're carrying your mat. That's unlawful for you to do that. But he answered them, the man who said to me, who healed me, said to me, take up your bed and walk. So he's like, not my fault. And they asked him, who is the man who said who said to you, take up your bed. I like these conversations, right? Because we don't have conversations like this today. Who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? I don't know who the man who said to me, take up my bed and walk is. You know, we're just like, who told you to do that? I don't know. We're getting more efficient with our communication, right? <laughs> it's like, who did that? I? I don't know. Uh, so so uh, where was our place? Oh, who is the man who said, do you take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in place. So Jesus kind of moves away. Uh, that, that drawn away is kind of like dodged. Like he's like, I, I'm getting out of here. Not because he wasn't afraid of confrontation with the Pharisees, because he knew his purpose, purpose wasn't to create the Jesus healing school at the Bethesda pool, you know? That rhymes too. I mean, that'd be a great marketing campaign. I just thought of that. So afterward, so all this happens, and afterward, Jesus comes and finds, the, uh, comes and finds the, the man. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, see, you're well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, we see here, let's go on. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. I'm gonna stop there because the whole thing's gonna take a big turn in just the next verse. But look, Jesus found the man at the temple, but he says, you're well, yes. And, and, and he says, but go and sin no more so that nothing worse may happen to you. Uh, that wasn't a threat of Jesus like, like if you sin again, I'm gonna take your legs off. You know, 
What he's trying to help the man understand is there, there, is, a, there is something worse than being paralyzed. That's the condition of sin. See, what Jesus is doing, Jesus is actually seeing the spiritual condition of Israel at the time. Because remember, I just told you, 400 years of silence. Israel, Jesus would say to the religious leaders, you're blind, you're lame, you're paralyzed, and you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. But yet, because you can't see, because you aren't moving in the things of God anymore, you're missing what's happening. You're trying to create the stirring here, but listen, the Spirit is doing this whole thing over here and you're missing out. Listen, that's our condition too. Sin does that. And Jesus is saying, look, the worst condition, look, you're well, you can walk. 38 years, you haven't walked, and that's, that's great. But listen, there's a worse condition that needs to be dealt with, and it's sin. And we don't know where the heart of the man went after that. We just see that he went and told the, the, the Jews, the religious leaders, that it was Jesus. But it shows me something, that, that we can experience a miracle of God and miss God. We can receive a miracle and not, and not receive salvation. We can get what we want God to give us on this side of eternity, but not spend eternal life with him. I just, we pray for miracles. God is a God of miracles. But listen, in the miracle, the greatest thing we can receive is the grace of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sin. And you go back to Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus died again. So the miracles that he provides on this side of this dividing line called death are only for this. But his grace and salvation moves us through that doorway of death into eternal life with him. If we see miracles but not salvations, I believe we've missed the point. because that's ultimately what it's all about. So Jesus says, you're well. And they said, he's the one. So now the Jewish leaders are persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath. So now they're creating charges against Jesus. You've broken the Sabbath law. Here's where the charges get changed to blasphemy and everything amps up. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. So you go, well, how do we go from blasphemy? In, 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 the, in, 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 the, the, in the Judaism religion, uh, the Pharisees would not say my father. They would say our father. But when Jesus said my father, he's just made himself equal with God. And now they say, oh, so you say you're equal with God, which means you're God. Charges change, boom, take, forget the Sabbath, man. It's now blaspheme. And now they've amped it up. Now they really seek to start killing. This is the point in Jesus' ministry where the Pharisees hit it into overdrive about trying to catch him, trap him, ultimately kill him because he's saying he's God. So we know the other side of the resurrection that he is God. But listen, we would even see, it, it, like, like, the birth announcement that Gabriel gave to, to Mary, he's quoting a prophecy from Isaiah. He said, and the virgin will conceive and she will have a son and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So 
That's New Testament, right? That's after the 400 years of silence. So at that point, you gotta go 700 years before the birth of Jesus to a book called Isaiah. A man named Isaiah was speaking on behalf of God for the nation. Isaiah wrote a prophecy in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. It's the exact same thing the angel declared to Mary. That this will be a sign for you. The virgin will conceive and she will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean, Emmanuel? God with us. That's why Jesus could go on and say these things. Verse 18 says, this was why Jesus was seeking, that this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They missed the whole grace. The whole thing about grace, gone. They couldn't even celebrate the miracle for this man because they, they had missed grace. And this whole miracle, this whole scene, I believe it's an illustration of God's grace for us. Because when we, when we look at how this works, man, grace brings Jesus into our need. Right? When we prayed about our needs at the beginning of this, this message, you know, you know, look, you don't need me in your need. You need Jesus. That's the grace of God showing up. Grace brings Jesus into our need. How does he bring Jesus into our need? When Jesus told his disciples, it is better that I go away, that the Holy Spirit will come. He's the comforter. He is the one who will lead us into all truth. He convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness. That the very presence of the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in the life of a believer. That's the presence of God. And and, and grace, the grace of God. We don't deserve his presence We're not good enough for that, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, he has paid the way for us to be in the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in that time of need, grace brings Jesus right into it. So we went, Jesus, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. I know we see in scripture where two or three are gathered, he says, there I am among them, but listen, I can be by myself, and Jesus is available in my need. Because that's the grace of God. It connects that relationship. See, sin severs our relationship. What Jesus did on the cross reconciles that relationship. When I, when I confess him as Lord and confess him as Savior and I ask for that forgiveness, then he reconciles that relationship. So he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus doesn't, I go, Jesus, I need you. We'll get two or three other people. He doesn't say that. He said, come on, I'm here. Let's rock. He is always there. Jesus came to the pool. He chose to come to the pool that day because he knew the condition of the man. He knew he'd be there. But then what was beautiful, Jesus, in our time of need, we gotta be obedient because Jesus commanded the man to do the very thing he couldn't do. Get up and walk. God really challenged me in this because I think just as people, we, we, we deal with issues of forgiveness. We struggle with forgiveness. And how many of us are sitting right now in unforgiveness? And you might have been sitting there a long time. But you know what? When Jesus shows up by the grace of God in your time of need, do you know what he's gonna command you to do? He's gonna command you to do the very thing that you say you can't. I can never forgive that person. Listen, Jesus is gonna show up. Do you wanna be out of this situation? Do you wanna stop carrying this hurt? Do you wanna stop sitting in this infection of unforgiveness and bitterness? Well, every time I try, man, they just, I keep remembering. And every time I try to forgive them, I just, I see something and it reminds me of how the whole situation, and Jesus like, no, 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 get up. Take that unforgiveness and throw it out. Let's walk. 
He's gonna command us to do the thing we think we can't do. I can't forgive that person. When Jesus shows up, he's gonna forgive that person. How do I do it? I don't have the capacity to do it, but the grace of God at work in me does. And listen, forgiveness doesn't mean I'm all right with what you did. Forgiveness means I'm all right. And I'm not carrying what you did. I choose not to carry it anymore. I don't want to put wheels on the baggage. I don't want to put a nice handle on the baggage. I want to leave it in the trash and completely walk away from it. So grace brings Jesus into our need because then grace brings restoration. Because when he commands us to do the thing we think we can't do, and then we are obedient, we see we can do it. He had to be, the man had to be obedient to Jesus to get up. Jesus didn't reach down and pick him up. I mean, this ain't footprints in the sand where he says, okay, let me, let me, get, come on, come on. He says, get up, do it. The man had to take a step of faith and obedience to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, okay, let, let me get you some crutches and let's, let's kind of rehab you for that. He said, instantly, get up. That's restoration. But listen, sometimes he doesn't, it doesn't, sometimes God chooses to work through a process. The key is trust them and be obedient and let that restoration happen and Listen, stop letting, you know, uh, just, it's time to stop making excuses for it. And that starts with right here. Because there's so many things that I feel God's speaking to me. And instead of responding enthusiastically, that the God of the universe is asking me to do this. I respond with an excuse. It's nothing new. It goes back to Moses. I mean, the God of the universe is speaking to Moses through a burning bush. That's got to be a crazy scene, right? Moses. Go get my people. I don't think I'm the guy to do it there, God. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's that's the way we're wired because our sin brings shame. But listen, grace cuts through the shame and says, get up. Let's walk. I got a purpose for you. I got a life for you. And then ultimately what grace does is it reveals who Jesus is. Listen, we, 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 we look at miracles. We look at the signs. And that reveals what Jesus does. But ultimately... He wants to reveal who he is. He is the Savior. He is God. He's not an adaptation of God. He's not God zipping up flesh and going, let's go to earth and save people. He is God. It's the Trinity, the triune nature of God that the three exist in one. You have God as God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father and the Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit and the Son is not the Father. They are distinctly three individuals, yet one. Jesus is God. And until we fall on his mercy at his feet and declare that he is Lord, then we've just... We're missing out. That's all we're doing. We can miss Jesus even when he has acts of grace to us. Grace reveals Jesus and gives us a choice. The choice is do we receive it or reject it? And what I've learned about the grace of Jesus is this. The grace of Jesus will save us, will sustain us, and then we'll see us safely home. 
So this healing was a gift of grace. Salvation's a gift of grace. Grace is a gift that we can't earn or deserve. So I just ask you, how are you gonna respond to Jesus? Excuses, anger, or obedience? Where is he calling you to get up, take your mat, and walk? Thank you, Jesus, for showing up in our time of need. We need your grace. And you bring grace in, in, in infinite supply. We need your grace. Jesus, I ask that, that, that your grace overwhelms us, overwhelms the excuses and, and lets us just accept grace and walk in grace. God, keep us from traditions and attitudes that keep us from living in the full revelation of who you are. May grace lead us, not a tradition. May a renewing of our mind happen in us to follow you, to free us from attitudes that keep us from the fullness of your grace. And God, I'm just praying right now that as you are calling people up, God, show them what it is. The very thing that they think they cannot do is what you are calling them to do. Only you can work it, God. And I pray that we will be obedient. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen, amen. I love you guys.